And then someone else, someone came over to me that had been doing the the custom thing for like 20 years and just started giving me like gym after gym after gym. It was just wow. like, and, and it was like one of those situations where I was like, wow, that's, that is why I was sent here. You know, it wasn't for like the financial gain. It was for this like invaluable information. Hey everybody, this is Amber Key and you're listening to a Bright Idea Podcast, a show that sits down with entrepreneurs to hear about the aha moment that launched their businesses. On today's episode, we're joined by Burl Brown, owner of Street Smart Tailoring, a mobile tailoring company based in Washington, D.C. Burl is a data scientist by day and a tailor at all other times. Perfecting his tailoring skills with the help of YouTube, Burl has found so much joy, fulfillment, and purpose through connecting with his clients and helping people feel confident in how they look. I guess like the creative side of me, like I would say definitely came from my sister um, because it was always like finessing things, honestly, like making cutoff shirts or whatever, like that type of thing. I, I learned how to sew in like middle school. I don't know if you, if your school had the resources to have like a life skills course or something. Mine did, which was awesome. So we learned how to sew and how to cook. Um, so that's where I learned like the basics, but that was, you know, so long ago. Um, so then I went to North Carolina Central for undergrad. So go Eagles. Um, and then I moved to DC eight years ago for grad school. I went to Marymount. I did forensic and legal psychology because once upon a time, I thought I was going to be a forensic psychologist. Uh So I was all in on that career. And then I basically met some actual forensic psychologists and decided, yeah, this isn't for me. What is Uh, forensic psychology? Like what what sort of job would you have had? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Basically, I I would say like I got caught into the like the CSI effect of like okay. watching TV shows and thinking I was going to be that person. But basically uh, a day-to-day is more like doing like assessments for like child custody cases um, and just like general evaluation and assessment testing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the glorified version is you're like an expert witness in like criminal cases. So that's what I thought was like the day-to-day, but obviously that's not the reality. Um, so finish finish grad school and then decided to pivot and basically got into data analysis and then i've kind of just like got certs basically almost everything through like youtube um and now i do data science and then okay. pretty much when i when i was in grad school i worked at a law firm and i had a lot of extra time so that's when i started uh i begged for like a sewing machine because i refused to buy one myself and a mother-in-law was sweet enough to get me one for Christmas one year. So I got the sewing machine, watched a bunch of YouTube videos. I used to thrift quite a bit. So I would thrift and yeah. then practice on my, my clothes that I would thrift. Um, and yeah, just like I wanted like a tailored fit for myself. I wanted like that urban DC, like, you know, good looking suit fit. Totally. So yeah. So that's, that's like literally how I started sewing watching youtube trial and error um and then kind of i think at that time like of course uber was big this is like 2018 uh 2018 2019 so uber's big of course airbnb's big 
Um, but I had just heard about like, uh, what is it called? Uh, Instacart. Is it Instacart? Yeah, where they deliver groceries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, whoa, this is wild. Like, um, and at the time, a lot of those like platforms were considered like the sharing economy. Yeah. So it was like a lot of things were going towards like sharing and convenience and just like people were more and more starting to pay for convenience, which, you know, we still, of course, see now. So I was like, huh, I wonder if anyone's doing like a mobile tailor. Mm-hmm. And then I looked it up and I was like, wow, no one does that. This is crazy. Yeah. So then, then I like thought of the idea and um, I started like basically asking my friends uh, if I could like tailor their clothes so I could like have models. So I started the Instagram page, started just posting like before and afters. Um, and then it's like slowly um, transitioned into like what it is now. Were you like making your own clothes in middle school or in high school or it was just sort of like a skill that you had on the back burner while you were trying to become a forensic psychologist? I don't even know if I would consider it a skill because at the time it was like we learned how to like make a pillow. Um, So that was like the extent of it. I never touched a sewing machine after that until what I guess this was roughly, um, I don't know, like 10 years or 10 to 12 years later yeah um when I moved to DC and then that's when I was like oh let me get a sewing machine because I oh one I was like I can't afford to get everything altered I got some stuff tailored I wasn't that pleased with it um just because of my body type I was like you know I want I wanted my things to fit a certain way and what the result was was it what I wanted so I was like I think I can do this myself and I had the time so that's when I dove into it and give it a try but um no no I was I even even like high school and stuff college I wasn't like making clothes there was probably at one point in college one probably only like two of my close friends would uh would remember this but I was like I'm gonna start a, a clothing brand it's gonna be called like Locket. it if someone if someone watches this they're gonna roast me for this but I gotta share it <laughs> Like, what, what what was it going to entail it was so, so literally i just like uh no at the time i was like uh again this is back to like the finesse thing i yeah. like bought like some faux leather from like walmart and i was just like um using the iron tape and i was like ironing on leather pockets onto like shirts okay so that was my thing like i was no, gonna take just like I was going to take like some regular clothes and just like put a leather pocket on it, just call it locket. And that yeah. was going to be my thing. Um, it didn't go anywhere. I didn't even try to make it go anywhere because like I got clowned for it. So I was like, all right, <laughs> all right, let's leave this alone. But yeah, I mean, like, I guess like consistently, I would probably say that um, it was, it was, there's been like a, a trend of like me, like attempting to be somewhat creative or, yeah. or thrifty or, you know, trying to finesse things and then it kind of just turned into me trying to see if I can make some money off of finessing. Yeah (laughs) Yeah, no that's interesting so take me okay fast forward now Mm -hmm. you are are you a you said you're a data analyst or a data scientist? Data scientist yeah. Data data scientist which sounds so different from like somebody working in clothes so Yeah, yeah. yeah so like tell me about what you do on a day-to-day in your current job and like what did you find was like like a need that kind of like led you into tailoring yeah um so my day-to-day um I 
<laughs> like full day to day, wake up four thirty. No, like like <laughs> so I I'm a I'm a marketing producer, so I live in premiere all day. Like I'm an editor, so I don't even know like what a data scientist does. So gotcha, <laughs> like gotcha, give okay. me an idea. Gotcha. So yeah, um at work I'm pretty much just like I guess the the easiest way to say it is I'm just like trying to create um mainly machine learning tools, like advanced analytic tools. Um, so like, for example, like you, you go on a website, even zoom right now on the bottom, right. You see, there's a chat bot. Mm -hmm. So like, that's something I created at work or tools like that, where I can take something simple and try to automate things and just, um, enhance, enhance analytics. So that's like a, a broad way to say it, but yeah. So if you, if you know anything about data analysis, so like take that, but then add like more technology to it and coding. So I, I, I code and program. Okay. I, in python and so are you automating things to make it easier for the user mm -hmm. of course yep okay that kind of i can kind of see now how tailoring especially like a mobile tailoring business could like you're making people's lives easier they don't yeah, have to go yeah. to like an alterations yeah uh, yeah place. i've never i've never really processed it like that but yeah 100 percent. yeah same thing where i'm just trying to simplify things um for whoever my my end user is yeah. Um, yeah, make their life easier. Understand. So tell me what the aha moment was that like you're like, okay, this is mm -hmm. going to be my business and I'm gonna run with it. I don't I don't know if there was a moment. I think I think for me and even from the beginning, because I used to like, my wife will get on me for this, but I used to like, I would do a lot of free work for people. Um, and because like, I mean, thankfully at the time, I also, I, I was working at Orange Theory at the time too. So I was like, just hustling. Yeah. Um, so when I first started, yeah, it, it was, it definitely wasn't about the money. And I guess you can consider it a passion, but even more than the passion, it was like the impact is what I cared about. Cause like I, you know, doing some alterations for like a couple people and to see like shock on their face or just how happy or like the transformation. Cause even in the beginning I was doing like, I was, I was focused at least on Instagram. I was focused on like drama. I'm like, I want to make this as dramatic as possible. So people can be like, Oh my gosh, that was six sizes too big. And you made it like fit. So like, yeah. that was my focus. Cause I was like, you know, I, 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 I did. And I still like definitely feel like a lot of, purpose through this so it's it's fulfilling for me so I, I would say like I don't know I guess that's like the continuous aha moment because I like it the impact I really care about that um I had like this was the end of last year where I was like sending an invoice and I was like oh I just hit a thousand invoices I was like whoa this is crazy like and then I like went through and did like a distinct count of how many like individual clients I had and I was like whoa it's been over 500 like it's crazy uh, I think I think now I'm probably probably over a thousand individual clients that I've worked with. Um, so I mean, like that to me is like the aha moment. Like, wow, I've like, you know, obviously DC's big, and you know, I've probably only touched like one percent, but still, like the fact that I've like impacted all these lives—that's what really like um, is the big thing and like really important to me. Who was your first client? Like your first paid, paying client. I was like paid yeah. client. <laughs> like paid client. Like once your wife got on you enough and you're like, okay, it's time to start making some money. Yeah, like who yeah. was that? <laughs> it was one it was one of my friends. And even then, like I think I probably did like 
let's say like i don't know 10 shirts for him or something i might have charged him like 30 dollars or something i was like five dollars a shirt or something i don't know yeah. but um yeah it was it was one of my friends that i basically like convinced to like let me tailor stuff for them yeah yeah and then how did you grow your book of business um yeah because i have no business background no sales anything like that honestly in the beginning it was definitely just word of mouth it was like people would tell people um you know of course i tried instagram stuff but there was only so much reach in that um yeah, it was honestly just like pretty, like very organic, um, really just word of mouth. I, I, I've never really done like, like many events or anything like that, or really like that kind of promotion stuff. Last year I ran ads for a little bit. Um, and that definitely helped on the like visibility, mm-hmm. um, not to go down the rabbit hole of like discussing challenges in business, but me not having a location has has always been challenging and still is yeah no please go down the rabbit hole of challenges someone you know schedules their fitting um myself or i i don't think i mentioned this yet but i have a team now so it's it's five of us total Um, myself or one of my team members comes to your home or wherever you choose as the location sometimes you know i meet people at their office or something like that um so i meet you at your your desired location uh take measurements which roughly takes like 15 minutes and then take the pieces with me. Uh, we tailor the clothes. Our standard turnarounds, like it's a week, but that of course varies depending on the the number of product or pieces. Excuse me. Um, and then we return it to you, like in a garment bag and steam and everything. So it's real simple process, like um, you know, on average a week turnaround. But yeah, so it's you know obviously focusing on convenience, but also really big on the quality and you know still being personable. Yeah. Um, you said yeah. one of the challenges was that you don't have a location. Oh, the location. Yeah. Yeah. So bringing people's garments. I mean, are you like altering people's garments at home <laughs> with your team? I, I don't want to turn the camera right now, but I, I am at my desk and my machine's right by and I have like a, a stack of clothes. Um, but I, I do at this point because, you know, volume has gotten to uh, a solid level, which I'm grateful for. I do, I do outsource um, quite a bit now because I can't do any everything anymore yeah um but yeah so basically at at this point team members at like after they finish for the day like earlier today one of my team members dropped off pieces from her she had i think four fittings today Mm -hmm. and dropped those off to me and then you know i'll uh do the execution part and then i deliver it to the client yeah um so how how long have you been in business this is a year four Yep. year four wow yeah. so you were in business prior to the pandemic mm-hmm. yeah and and honestly like before then it was um it was probably pretty slow COVID of course was extremely slow and yeah. I tra- transitioned to mask at that time um I had some masks in some stores uh around DC which was a, a cool thing to see that um but yeah for, for like you know 2020 not even 2021 2022 was probably the first year where you know, things started picking up. And then this year, 2023, definitely was uh, by far has been, of course, my my biggest year. But I think a lot of that has to do with like, you know, people traveling again, and people going to weddings again, and just, you know, activities again. So um, yeah. 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 Where would you say most of your business comes from? Is it I mean, DC is such a like corporate 
place. Like everyone's like, I feel like everyone's in a suit or like works in some government type of job. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But I also honestly, see you work with weddings as well. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know, you would think that, yeah, maybe it's all just like work clothes for people. But yeah, definitely probably more than anything. I, I probably do like one to two bridesmaid dresses a week. So a lot of, a lot of that. Um, you know, I do, of course, have clients that just have like general clothes that they want tailored, like let's say jeans, like mm-hmm. the waist taken in or something like that. I don't necessarily have like a, a general client that's like, you know, in this, this court, like this uh, work group or that work group. Um, it's, it's definitely a really diverse mix. But yeah, I, I probably would say I do like wedding and event stuff. Uh, maybe a, like 60 40 like maybe yeah. wedding stuff like 60 percent and then 40 percent like other other clothing as well awesome and then like are you just altering people's clothes that are might be ill-fitted or do you have any like creative liberties that you get any opportunities for with people's clothing yeah 100 100 um i have clients that like they're like super creative and want to do like fun projects so that's always fun to do um I guess quite a bit like as far as like the average creative thing that I do for clients is it's like relocating fabric so think of like if something's too tight yeah um, let's say a dress for example something it's too tight in the waist but there but it's too long or something I can take the fabric from the bottom and let out the waist or something like that so I do that quite a bit but other than that like yeah people have fun ideas that they want to bring to life some people just give me fabric and say create this um i of course do the the custom as well the custom suiting and uh trousers and jackets and shirts and all that fun stuff um but yeah so definitely definitely get some creativity out and i love to, to pick people's brains and kind of see their thoughts on making pieces but yeah definitely definitely a, a lot of room for um just kind of freestyle where do you um shop for your own clothing and like where do you kind of find your inspiration for your own outfits yeah I don't have like a a one specific place um I'm definitely one of those people that like if I'm about to go on a trip then I like buy some stuff and have like some stuff in mind like this shirt this is a sweater and I was like oh I really like this but I would like it if it was short sleeve so I like cut the sleeves off I love that took it in some yeah Um, because I'm I'm really into knitwear I used to I used to shop a lot on Poshmark in general Mm-hmm. um so i mean i still thrift quite a bit um lately for like just simple knitwear like shirts i've definitely got you know back into the zara thing um but no there there aren't really like specific brands that i shop a whole lot especially now since i started doing custom like uh year, roughly a year and a half ago so like pants wise i only wear like my own stuff yeah um but shirts wise from just looking for like simple knitwear like yeah it could be anywhere it could be thrifted it could be you know Massimo duty it could be you know a bunch of different brands just whatever i like yeah i'm not, I'm not like a, a brand head or anything like that <laughs> just focusing honing in a little bit on like the business aspect and because people that are listening to this may have an idea in their head but they're not sure how to execute it Mm -hmm. um and when we think about owning a business a lot of people are doing this as a side hustle like you are or but have dreams of of making this their main thing is is this ever going to be a main thing or do you think you would 
keep it on the side. Yeah, I don't know. I used to I used to be that person that was like, no, I would never want this to be my full time. I like the balance. Um, you know, I like my full time, of course. But I mean, honestly, that's speaking from a place of fear. And I'm just talking because I'm like, my full time is my stability. And this is my like, fun. But of course, it has picked up to be like, you know, a little more than just fun and um, a side gig. But, you know, I'm really at this point, I, I am in the the phase where I'm like trying to scale and trying to really see where I can take this. Um, actually, next mo- or later this month, I plan on like, going to New York and trying to vet some tailors. I know they have another service there that does the same thing, but I'm like, let's give it a shot. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a definitely faith driven and I'm in a, a Bible study group with two of my brothers and definitely at this point where I have this like almost delusion where I, I feel like I genuinely cannot fail. Mm. Um, and because of that, I think I'm, I'm definitely more inclined to take risks because I just see everything as like a learning growth opportunity. Yeah. So, so I mean, honestly, this is definitely because I definitely used to be that person that everything was out of fear, uh, as far as like my thoughts and like scarcity and thinking of lack and like honestly, that's probably why I started this because I'm like I can't afford to pay for alterations, so you know, I'll like try to figure it out myself. So, but definitely now I'm like um, slowly but transitioning into like thinking abundantly and thinking like how it can impact even more people and how I can scale this and like you know, where I can really take it. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna try it all. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, who knows? Yeah, maybe it does become a full-time thing. I had an interview earlier today with, um, are you familiar with Handshake? Like the, the app Handshake? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I just got on Handshake like last week. So I had an interview with um, a student trying to um, see if she's interested. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I'm gonna try to scale and, and see where I can take it. And, you know, who knows? Um, yeah I think it's part of like I don't want to speak it and then like something not happen but yeah I'm I'm just gonna see where it goes you know and really try to grow it and, and see what I can do with it no I love that and I like that earlier you said that you are kind of in this mindset that like you cannot fail and I think that that's like you I feel like delusion is like a buzzword that we're all thinking right now but but I do think that in some ways it's really healthy to like keep your mind um on that track and I I love that you're also strong in your faith too like I guess how um yeah like what motivates you and like what keeps you going and also Mm. you said you used to be somebody that like lived in fear um like how did you overcome that uh, I don't know that it's done, but uh, it's, it's it's a work in it's, progress. Yeah, 100%, 100% ongoing <laughs> process. Um, yeah, a mindset, a mindset switch is like super interesting because it genuinely is like a daily thing. Like I still catch myself all the time. I see your cat. Um, I still catch myself all the time. Like, um, like even like <laughs> the smallest things. Like let's say like I'm like cutting fabric because I need I want to like I don't want to waste fabric but now I'm like no let me like use this fabric up and then like you know I'm putting the work in so I I definitely believe in like universal things too that I believe that um you know of course what I'm putting in I'll I'll receive back but yeah I've just been thinking more of like I, I go back to the word abundance but just think of that word of like if I if I like you know uh obediently follow then you know I'll naturally receive, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that happens. That cycle happens when you're also naturally giving. So I 
I definitely, you know, see this as part of my role of me giving out. Um, and then of course, receiving back, maybe not, maybe not in terms of financial gain, maybe it's information, maybe it's lessons. Um, I had an interesting experience with that recently. I went to like a, um, a conference in Miami through one of my clients that had introduced me and it was a really awesome experience. And, you know, of course I was, this is kind of sidetracked, but of course I was, um, I definitely hundred percent thought I was going there for financial gain. I'm like, I'm going to hit my goals, my sales goals, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to make a lot of relationships. And honestly, it didn't go that way. Um, and there was like 30 minutes left. I was packing up, you know, taking all my jackets off, um, taking down the mannequins and everything. And then someone else, someone came over to me that had been doing the the custom thing for like 20 years and just started giving me like gym after gym after gym. It was just wow. like, and, and it was like one of those situations where I was like, wow, that's, that is why I was sent here. You know, it wasn't for like the financial gain. It was for this like invaluable information. So um, definitely lately, even through the tailoring, like uh, there was definitely a time where, um, me thinking of I have to grow this I have to grow this I became like transactional and I would say that was part of like the fear but now I've like slowly kind of transitioned into like trying to focus on being more relational um and focus on relationships and that's definitely led to um a lot a lot greater things and just like greater focus but yeah so it's it's definitely a journey um of like you know going from this fear mindset to like thinking uh, of growth and and abundance. So so ongoing transition. I mean, you've been in this for four years and you also said that you looked at a thousand invoices. And so sometimes when we think about business, especially when we think about side hustles, in this current day where we all need to make money, the first thing yeah. on our mind is always like the financial gain. Um, but I think that businesses continue to be successful when there's like something else at hand. Like for you, yeah. like you're, you're talking a lot about um, the lessons that you're learning from your clients and that the in the people that you meet. And yeah. so I feel like that that's a huge driver as well. Would you say? the same yeah no 100% 100% but that's there's been so much more growth when I started focusing on that than just focusing on these individual transactions and like you know seeing things as opportunities as opposed to seeing things for specifically learning yeah what does scaling um street smart tailoring look like for you um you know so definitely like uh and again this is like back to the fear thing of like thinking of how I can get more things out of my hands. Cause again, I think I mentioned kind of the process there's still at this point and um, growing, working through this too, where it's like, you know, when I go out of town, uh, it's kind of on pause. Um, So I am trying to get to the point where it's, it's going while I'm at work and it's, which, which it has been for like a couple of weeks now, like, you know, I, that was that was a huge thing of like opening my schedule for daytime fittings because I'm like no one's gonna schedule during the day like everyone's at work and yeah. I'm like oh yeah people work from home now so that's been like incredible to see like you know fittings like going on while I'm at work so that's been awesome um, and so yeah it's it's just like taking these 
I don't want to necessarily say like small steps, but taking these steps of like, you know, uh, doing this step and then that step. And then like slowly, um, slowly like letting, letting go, honestly, because it's been a control thing for me. Right. Cause I felt like I've put a lot of time and energy and passion into this. And like, if I, if I don't have my hands in it, then, you know, someone could write a bad review or something could do like that. Right. So it's, it's slowly, slowly, like, honestly, letting go, uh, letting go of control. And cause you know, I'm not going to grow if I just keep trying to control everything. Yeah. So what's next for the business? Like you're working on anything exciting right now, currently that listeners can be excited for. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm always doing fun projects. Um, I'm definitely trying to like intentionally tap into like different markets. Um, definitely trying to tap into more of the pro sports market. I think, and I randomly thought of this the other night, but um, I think like I used to, I used to often think that like the dream, you know, I, you'd hear people say like the dream is a journey or something like that. But like, yeah. there's been like, cause I think I mentioned, I, I only work Wednesdays and I try to like, cram everything I need to do into Wednesdays like that's fittings and drop-offs and stuff so you know I have some late nights like last night um I got home roughly around like eleven thirty, and then I get home and I need to like send out invoices and I need to like talk to my manufacturer and um you know kind of other like logistics and like admin things but then like slowly I've realized I'm like no the I don't think the dream is actually the journey it's literally the work because it's like the work that you're putting in and I, th- I also when I'm of course driving late night and it's like not as many cars on the road that's when I'm of course in my head and yeah I feel like it's genuinely just like this journey this uh street smart journey it's like literally just the time and the work put in that's been like the dream because I, I hear like artists talk about it but I, I definitely still like look back and I'm like reminiscing on the times where yeah I was staying up until 2 a.m and then going to the gym at 4 30 staying up sewing and like how like physically draining that was but how much I loved it because yeah. I was like I felt the impact you know and I, it was like purpose behind it so this is the fun part <laughs> this is rapid fire so just say whatever comes to your mind I feel like you're about to ask me something wild no <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Wait, I feel like now I should have like actually thought more about these questions and asked you. <laughs> uh, no, let's, let's, maybe let's maybe I'll think of some, something off the top of my dome. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So what's the most challenging fabric to sew? Mm, yeah, easily a pressed denim, especially like thicker denim because I break so many needles. Yeah. Okay. Do people like, do a lot of people still wear like real denim? You know, like fast fashion is a big thing. So like yeah, yeah. the stretchy 100%. denim is like a thing. Yeah, yeah. And even, even not even like outside of like fast fashion. I mean, you have like solid brands. I don't know if you're familiar with like Paige or like those type of brands that, yeah. um, I mean, almost every brand now puts like some form of elastic in their jeans, like even the Levi's and, you know, the Wranglers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely not as much of like the tough, like hard denim anymore. Uh, I would say like, a couple of years ago 100% but now yeah definitely not as much what's a song that you've had on repeat please tell me you listen to music 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. But I, I listen to so many. Like, I have a playlist, and sometimes I'll just, like, um, let it flow. I guess lately um, that I've been listening to a lot, probably this song, uh, do you know Kari? It's called 3 a.m. No. What's the yeah. genre? R&B. I'm a big R&B head. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, like favorite genres, your go-to genre, like R&B. 100%, yeah. 100%. I'm a huge R&B girl too. I've recently gotten into like Afrobeats though lately. Okay, yeah, that's I haven't like, really crossed into that, yeah. Yeah, that's like my, some, here we go. This is Basil. <laughs> you, you, he, Basil. Join, he joins every episode. Um, oh, yeah, nice. There you go. Um, can you get down? Thank you. Love that. Um, cool. Okay, <laughs> dream client. Mm the client that's going to lead me to a bigger client. <laughs> I I really like interviewing you because you say just enough that like <laughs> you're that it leaves me guessing and I'm like am I not asking the right questions but like you're very no you're you're a good interviewer. I just got to say like broad stuff so that it keeps the conversation going, you know? Yeah, so people like keep coming back for more. Like they're sure. like he's going to give us just enough. Sure. <laughs> I noticed on your Instagram that you travel you like yeah, to yeah. Mm-hmm. um what's like been your favorite place mm, that's easy definitely morocco marrakesh um and i would say i, I meant to, you just brought up a point yeah i probably get a lot of my fashion inspiration from traveling yeah, okay I, I like see different things places i go in different cultures and i'm like oh i really like that i want to incorporate that mm-hmm. um so yeah, but by far Morocco, Marrakesh. I'm I'm like a very spiritual person, so I enjoy places that I'm all about like feeling. Oh and yeah. Like, like Marrakesh by far was the place I the first place I ever went where I was like, whoa, like I can feel this place. Mm. Um and it it's a different religion than uh the religion that I practice, but um just seeing like the devotion and the discipline there was like really impactful. Um so yeah, by far there. And honestly, if if I'm being honest, like, you know, most places I travel and potentially most places a lot of people travel, depending on where you are, you know, you're most likely still the minority. Yeah. Um, but probably Marrakesh was the first place I ever went where I was like, whoa, everyone here like looks like me. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, maybe different hair, but like complexion was like pretty much the same. And I was like, whoa, this is wild. Like I'm usually going to like Europe or Mexico or something like that or, or wherever it is, you know, and I'm still like a minority, but this yeah. is the first place where I like genuinely felt like, uh, like everyone else, honestly. Yeah. yeah. It's a comforting feeling when you can go somewhere and you see people that look like you. If you could write a book, what would it be about? I'm actually like writing one. Um, and as of right now, I haven't locked down the title, but it's like basically all about like perspective. Cause I feel like through my travels and just through like, you know, like I'm interacting with people all the time. I'm going to people's homes. I see like so many different things. So yeah, it's just like a book on perspectives. So that's what I'm writing. As of right now, it's called 30 years of perspective. Um, okay. Yeah. So when can we expect that? Um, I don't necessarily have like a timeline. Um, I I told myself I'd probably try to finish writing by the end of the year. And basically all I do is I just kind of write down thoughts every day. Um, But yeah, so maybe some, sometime early 2024. And, and this is one of those things too, where it's probably speaking from like a fear perspective, but I don't necessarily have plans to like try to push it or try to like sell it. You know, I just want to like 
give it to some friends and of course i'll post it on my story and stuff but who knows um you know i might really try to like see where see where that goes too so we'll see that's cool who's your biggest inspiration mm. i don't know that it's one person i have like a, a group of people yeah around me um and i think it's cool that that group has uh it's it's people that aren't even like physically around me you know they might be in another city or something like that but yeah and i i probably say back to like you know of course family like my wife and the uh, bible study group i mentioned that i'm in and just like my close brothers who are like my groomsmen so yeah it's it's more of like a group it's not like a, a person an individual person what is it about those people that like inspires you mm. Yeah, probably there are different journeys. Uh, of course, like the relationship we've like built and sustained. Um, but I try to surround myself, of course, around like like-minded people, like most people do, which can be, of course, healthy and unhealthy. But I have like a, a core group of people around me. Most of the people around me are like entrepreneurs in some kind of sense. So it's awesome to see other people like honestly like going after things. I really love seeing that. Yeah, um, people people that are like taking risks and trying things because I just feel like environment is just so powerful. Um, and on top of that, just like like exposure, the fact that I'm like exposed and I can like reach out and these people are like, um, what would you what would you call it? Like not not reachable, but you know, like I have access to these people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's that's what inspires me, like seeing their journey. And it doesn't even have to be like huge feats, but just like seeing the people that I cherish, like overcoming or going through things. So, um, yeah, that's really what inspires me, like different journeys. Yeah. So you're a really busy guy. You have a full time job and you have this this job. Yeah. Um, what do you do for self-care? <laughs> uh, I do want to mention, I so my wife and I started a dog harness business. I'll have to have to drop that right here in the top right yeah we'll, we'll drop it right there in the link oh my god that's awesome well yeah. what about like do you wait dog harnesses okay mm -hmm. do you have a dog yeah i have two dogs yep oh cool there so it's it's their company um we're trying to do like the the four dogs buy dogs type thing yeah uh, I'm, I'm sure fubu fubu might come after us but <laughs> no there's also like big money in that like these sure these pets live rent free it's yeah. time for them to make some money for us on the Instagram. hundred percent, hundred percent. So, I mean, we, we launched like two months ago, but you know, this is another thing where like, I genuinely feel like we can't fail, you know, there's only growth in it. So yeah. we're trying it, um, seeing where it goes, but of course we're, we're putting a lot of time and effort into that. Um, but sorry, back to your question, self-care. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, you make harnesses for self-care. I love it. No, honestly, <laughs> I, I work a lot. Um, but honestly, so my wife and I have like a, a routine where it's like grind, 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 grind. And then every quarter we try to take a trip. So that's really my like self-care because it's like I'm able to do like a hard reset. Um, I, of course, I go to the gym five days a week, you know, before I go to work in the morning, 430. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, I definitely I've I've become more intentional about like trying to meditate every day, even if it's for two minutes um, or just being more intentional. That's really my like self-care, my, my travel and my just being more intentional about uh, myself. 
And I think that's of course happened. The more, the older I get, where I'm like, okay, this this is changing. That's changing. Um, you know, I can't just like hope for things. I have to ask for things. Yeah. No, I love that. And I I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about their self care, and a lot of people say meditation, and that's something I'm trying to get into. I cannot silence my brain. I move at like lightning yeah, yeah. speed, so it's definitely something Same. that I'm trying to work on. Same. And don't, don't like, definitely don't, don't take me for like some expert. I am absolutely no expert. I just like, honestly, what I do is I just pray. And then I, and then I ask, I request for like, you know, at least a minute of just silence the noise. And then it's usually effective for me. Yeah. Where can people find you? Yeah. So at street smart tailoring on Instagram, street smart tailoring.com. Um, at shop marleo that's the dog dog business Love be it. right right here we will we'll add it i promise i will oh, you no, can do that i'm just i'm just pointing places out no even. i will i will if you send me like a logo i will put it in the, in the episode all right perfect perfect yeah um and then my personal uh at burl brown i used that used to be something i would like try to keep private but no it's it's public now so yeah not hiding anymore yay awesome This was great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Amber. It was awesome. Thank you, Burl. That's it for this week's episode of A Bright Idea. Tune in each week as we interview entrepreneurs to find out their aha moment that launched their businesses. Today's episode featured Burl Brown, owner of Street Smart Tailoring. You can support Street Smart Tailoring by booking one of their services on their website, streetsmarttailoring.com or by following them on social media at Street Smart Tailoring. As mentioned in the episode, Burl and his wife recently launched a dog harness company called Marlio, which you can support by following Marlio on Instagram. We're building a community on a bright idea, so follow them on social media, give them a review, and tell all of your friends. Until next week, I'm Amber Key.